0: I would like you to turn to Colossians chapter 4 one last time with me today. Colossians chapter 4. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word and you don't like using the app on your phone, you can turn to page 985 in the Bible that's on that rack right in front of you. That is where you will find our passage this morning Colossians 4, 7 through 18. And while you are turning there, if you are a guest with us, we always want you to know right from the beginning uh, that we believe the Bible is the inspired word of God, inerrant in the original manuscripts, sovereignly preserved for us through the generations, so that through the reading of this book and the illumination of his spirit, we can know God. And we can love him, and we can serve him, and we can worship him. And we believe so much in the sufficiency of God's word that we don't think that what I have to say today matters at all unless it agrees with what God's word says. We want to collectively be a church that believes it does not matter what I think. What matters is what the Bible says. This is why we want you to see God's word for yourself today because we want what the Bible says to become what we think. And and so we're going to do that from Colossians chapter 4. And this is our last of 17 messages. If you're wondering how many it's been, the answer is 17. And then obviously in Christmas we were in that one paragraph for a while too. But our last of 17 messages in the book of Colossians. And we've been going through this letter that Paul wrote from prison around 62 AD. He wrote it to a church in the city of Colossae which he had never been to before, but he heard about what the Lord was doing uh, from Epaphras, the one that planted that church, and he heard about some of the concerns there. And so he writes this letter to this church that he's never met before, but he's praying for and that he's passionate about. And we've been going through this letter uh, with this purpose in mind, uh, that we would see the, the supremacy and the centrality of Christ in everything. And, and along the way, uh, we have seen that our lives should demonstrate the growth of the gospel. That's where we started in Colossians 1, 1 through 8. And I'm going to walk through all of the main points of these uh, just in case you're wondering and you have the passages up at the top there uh, if you want a reminder. Or if you haven't been here for all this series and one of these stands out to you, you can always go back on our website and find all of these there. Uh, we've seen that our desires will align with God's desire when God is our our ultimate desire. We, we've seen that our standing in Christ should be reflected in our walk with Christ. We've seen that we were created to celebrate the superiority of Jesus. We've seen that the firmness of our faith is measured in the distance to our deliverer. We've seen that our ultimate hope is being filled with Christ and found in Christ. We've seen that Jesus is the treasure who contains all the treasure. And because of that, we will never be lacking when we are filled with Christ. We've seen that our identity is in Christ's victory, not sin's captivity. Because Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We don't need to add anything else to Jesus. He is everything that we need. Uh, We we saw once we got to chapter 3 that we will never have a heavenly mentality until Jesus is our greatest reality. We set our minds on things that are above because that's where Jesus is. We've seen that we shouldn't live defeated by what Jesus has defeated. So we need to be out with the old self, put to death what is still earthly in us, and put on the new self. We should be becoming who we are in Christ. And our worship of Christ should be as constant as our identity in Christ. If our identity in Jesus doesn't change when we leave this room, our worship shouldn't either. We've seen that the name of Jesus should be the greatest reality in our relationships. It impacts our marriages, our parenting, what we do in the workplace. And then finally last week, we've seen that our pursuit of Jesus should lead us to pursue people. Pursuit of Jesus should lead us to pursue people. We walk in wisdom uh, towards outsiders. That's what we talked about just this last week. And our, our passage today... As we come to the end of chapter 4, it almost reminds me of the end of a movie. Uh, Because after the closing scene of a movie, the screen goes black, and then what starts to happen on the screen? The credits, right? They start to roll. And, and if I'm in a movie theater, which is very rare these days, uh, that's when I get up to leave, right? Or if you're at home watching a movie, that's when you click it off. I, I don't just sit on my couch and watch the credits roll. Maybe, maybe that's something that you do. Good for you. Um, that's, <laughs> that, that's, just, that's just not what I do. Why? Why? Because the names on the screen, they don't mean anything to me. I don't know who those people are. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. But you know who probably stays in the theater and actually reads the credits, I, I'm very confident that the family members of the names that are scrolling down the screen would stay in the would stay in the theater, aren't you? Right? I'm, I'm just imagining the parents of the assistant sound editor, right, or the makeup artist waiting to see their son or daughter's name come across that screen. Why? Because they know they know how hard. They have worked behind the scenes to make this a reality. They know the part that they played in the greater picture that we don't appreciate and that we don't know about. And and the end of Paul's letters, uh, I, I would say his greetings serve to give credit to the team of people who did a lot behind the scenes that we will never fully know about this side of heaven. Because the names don't mean much to us, Uh, So we often skip them, right? When we're reading through the Bible, when we get to lists of names, we start reading faster. We start skimming. We often skip the endings to these letters, right? Because the names just don't mean that much to us. We don't see how it's relevant to us. Uh, But today, we're going to stay in the theater to the end, Right, and, and we are going to see what we can learn from this list of names. And I think it will be helpful for us. And so here we go. Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. Here's the credits at the end of the movie. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. This is a good time to remind you that I'm not claiming to know how to pronounce all of these perfectly. It's just how I've always pronounced them. So you can tell me afterwards if I get one of these wrong, and that's fine with me. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort... To me. So those are the guys that were of Jewish descent that were part of Paul's team. Now we get to those who were Gentiles. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. So Colosse was, was part of this valley and there were three cities. Colossae, Laodicea, Hierapolis, all believed to have been planted by this man, Epaphras. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. us that most of the people involved in the life and ministry of the early church, we know nothing about. Absolutely nothing. We, we know Paul and Peter and some of the other apostles, but we need to remember those are the exceptions, not the rules. Most followers of Jesus are unknown to us, but known to God. Just like you are unknown to many people. You're probably not famous, but God knows you, but God knows you. And and as we work through this list of names, I I want us to see that they speak to the importance of teamwork to reconciliation to faithfulness and encouragement. Teamwork, reconciliation, faithfulness, and encouragement. Uh, Because one reality uh, that is easy to lose sight of is that Paul was never a one-man show. He traveled with a missions team everywhere that he went. He relied on others. He didn't even write these letters himself physically. Uh, He would dictate them to someone else to write. That's why he says at the end that he writes this greeting with his own hand. So he takes the pen at the end and in his big John Hancock, you know, puts it on at the end. But he would dictate his letters and somebody else would write them down. And, and, And when Paul finished his letter, Uh, to the church of Colossae or to any other church that he was writing to, he couldn't just press send in an email, which he probably would have loved. It probably would have blown his mind, right? He couldn't even drop this letter in the mail. He had to have someone personally travel to deliver it. And do you know how far it is from Rome, where Paul was in prison, to Colossae? I don't expect you to. I I wouldn't either. Um, It's over 1,100 miles By land and by sea. If you look at the path that they probably took, it was probably 1,180 miles by land and sea. Think about that for a second. Like, think about how long it would take to get from when Paul wrote this to when the church at Colossae actually got it. And and Tychicus is mentioned here because he is most likely the person responsible to get this letter safely into the hands of the Colossian church. I would find that job pretty stressful. I don't know about you, right? you just have this one letter and you're going across an ocean or the sea, right? You're just in the water. I don't want to drop this, right? And, and, and the other thing I'd be thinking, if I was traveling 1,100 miles to deliver a letter for somebody, this better be a good letter. <laughs> just practically speaking, this better be good. This better be good. So if, if you have benefited from the studying of this book, one of the people that you should be thankful for is this guy named Tychicus that we really don't know much about at all. He's part of the team. Aristarchus is mentioned in verse 10 as a fellow prisoner with Paul. Uh, We see him mentioned in the book of Acts as well, since he traveled with Paul on missionary journeys. Uh, But many don't believe that Aristarchus was actually a prisoner in Rome at this time, but that he was with Paul so much he might as well have been. Um, In verse 11, we see a man named Jesus, not that one, Uh, because this was a common name back then. And and this guy went by the name Justice, and I don't blame him. Do you? (laughs) Because, Because that would be a lot of pressure and not something I would want. He's like, call me Justice. Don't call me Jesus. That's fine with me. That makes sense. Luke was a physician who traveled with Paul. You probably know him because he also wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Uh, which combine to be longer than all of Paul's writings. And, and it is reasonable to conclude that Luke is called a physician multiple times because he probably provided medical care for Paul and the rest of the team, uh, which with Paul was an important job, right? Because Paul had a knack for like getting hit with rocks and beaten and all sorts of other things. Right? Paul, you got beaten with rocks again? What in the world? Okay, let's fix you up. That's my... In my time vision of his relationship uh, with Luke. Uh, Paul, Paul wants the Colossians to say hi for him to the church of Laodicea, those three churches in the Lycus Valley, Colosse, Laodicea, Hierapolis, because nearby churches that were not seen as competition, by the way. They were partners for the gospel. Uh, there's a lady named Nympha, who is greeted along with the church that met in her house. So she's the host of this house church. And, and I, as we just go down through this list and talk through these people, what I want you to see is the importance of teamwork. Everyone has a role to play in the body of Christ. Because we know behind all these names, there's so many others that aren't even mentioned. We're, we're not all the same. We don't all have the same gifts Some roles are going to get more attention than others, but all of them are valuable. And if Paul needed the help and support of gospel teammates, then so do you. So do you. This is why church is not an event that you attend on Sunday mornings. It is a community that we engage in and we want you to be plugged in and using your gifts for the building up of the body of Christ because we're teammates for the sake of the gospel. This list doesn't just reveal the importance of teamwork. It also shows the importance of reconciliation because in verse nine, we find Onesimus, who Paul describes as a faithful and beloved brother who is one of the Colossians, which is significant Because Onesimus was also, and some of you know this, a runaway slave. Who is the subject of an additional letter that Paul wrote to Philemon. And if you read the letter to Philemon today, which is only 25 verses long, which means you have time. Okay? You can do this. Uh, If you read that letter, you will find that after running away from Philemon, somehow Onesimus found Paul. And he comes to Christ while Paul is in prison. And Paul now views Onesimus as one of his sons. So Paul sends him back to Philemon, appealing on his behalf that Philemon would no longer treat Onesimus as a servant, but as a brother in Christ. It's a beautiful letter. You should read it. It's beautiful, and it is a picture of Colossians 3.11. That in the new self, there is no slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. This is the reconciliation that is intrinsic to the heart of the gospel. Paul Paul sends greetings from Onesimus, who he is sending along with Tychicus and saying, This guy is one of you. He's one of you. He's your brother in Christ. Uh, But that's not all. Because right after he mentions Onesimus, in verse 10, Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, sends his greetings. Which is significant because there was a time when Paul didn't want Mark to be on his team. This is referring to John Mark, uh, who you might know from the book of Acts. He had left Paul and Barnabas during their first missionary journey. And when they were getting ready to go on their second missionary journey, Barnabas is like, hey, how about we bring my cousin Mark with us? And Paul said, I'd rather not. And there's more, you can read about this. It's Acts 15, 36 through 41. Uh, There's a pretty big disagreement over whether Mark should come with them, And that disagreement led to Paul and Barnabas going on two separate missionary trips. Barnabas takes Mark with him to go to one place, and then Paul takes Silas with him. And I am so glad that Barnabas gave Mark a second chance. And Paul was too, because he proved himself faithful And by the time Colossians is written, Paul and Mark are gospel teammates once again. Because at the heart of the gospel, back-to-back verses, I don't think it's a coincidence that they're back-to-back, 9 and 10, is the restoration of relationships. This is why Jesus came, by the way. Because our relationship with the holy God of the universe was broken by our sin and rebellion against him. So we needed to be reconciled to God. But there was no way for us to restore that relationship on our own. So God Himself entered into our brokenness in the person of Jesus living the perfect life that we failed to live, dying the death that you and I deserved to die, taking the just punishment for the sins we committed against him, on himself, on the cross. Jesus rose from the dead, conquered sin and the grave. So if you come to the end of yourself and place your faith instead in the perfect life, sacrificial death, and victorious resurrection of Christ and Christ alone, making Jesus the king of your life, all your sins are forgiven, the righteousness of Jesus credited to your account, you become part of the eternal family of God. No matter what you have done, the gospel says that because of what Jesus has done, you can be reconciled to God. You can be reconciled to God. And the way we live in community with each other should testify to that reconciliation. The reason why Philemon should 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 reconcile with Onesimus is because of the reconciliation of the gospel. The reason why Paul and Mark were able to become gospel teammates again is because of the reconciliation of the gospel. So this list shows us the importance of teamwork, of reconciliation, and of faithfulness. I love how Paul talks about Epaphras, the one who brought the gospel to the Colossians. Look at this again in verses 12 and 13. Epaphras, who is one of you, A servant of Christ Jesus greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. I love that Paul says that Epaphras went to work first by going to his knees. In prayer for those he was called to lead, and then he labored to see them spiritually mature and walking in the will of God for their lives. This is the exact picture of faithfulness in ministry. Uh, if I had time, uh, we could talk more about the other side of this as well, though, because uh, because while Demas is mentioned in verse fourteen as one of Paul's teammates, Paul shared years later in Second. Timothy 4.10, that Demas ends up deserting him because he was in love with the present world. And it's a reminder to us, as I have been comparing in my mind Epaphras and Demas this week, faithfulness is not a one-time decision. It is a daily decision to die to the old self and what is earthly and live for Jesus and what is heavenly. And one reason why we need community And why we need teammates is because we need to encourage one another. And I think we see an example of that in verse 17 when Paul says, Say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I love this. I love this. We know very little about Archippus or what ministry Paul was referring to, or even how Archippus responded to this encouragement. But I have to imagine that having Paul publicly recognize him in this way would be pretty motivating, don't you? And I'm confident that we all have someone around us that needs our encouragement today. And maybe their ministry from the Lord doesn't look like Paul, or like a, a pastor, or like a missionary, maybe their ministry from the Lord right now looks like caring for elderly parents, or or raising young children, or teaching in a public school, or faithfully loving a spouse who doesn't know Jesus yet, or To being a testimony to the doctors and nurses during a season of endless doctor's visits. Whatever it is, whatever the ministry from the Lord that you have in this season, let's commit to not going a week without finding someone to encourage. Keep going. Keep going. It's worth it. I see you. Let's encourage one another to complete the ministries that we have from the Lord. We don't skip the passages where the credits are rolling, because they teach us. They teach us about the importance of teamwork and reconciliation and faithfulness and encouragement and so much more. And I moved through that quickly because I wanted to close this series in a unique way. I want to read the entire letter of Colossians from beginning to the end. I've had a lot to say uh, and this is, might be, and by the way, we're not going to have the words on the screen for this. So if you want to find it in your Bible or in that one, it's page 983 is where it starts there. Or get the app out on your phone. I would love for you to follow along as I'm reading this. Uh, but I've had a lot to say about this book over these 17 weeks. And I want to finish by letting this book speak for itself. Because that's what we should let God's Word do. This is the way that God's Word was intended to be heard people would gather, and the entire letter would be read from beginning to end publicly. And that's probably what happened when this letter arrived in Colossae. Uh, So I would love for you to follow along in your own Bible. Uh, uh, And it's going to take 12 to 13 minutes, just so you know, 12 to 13 minutes. uh, And it's going to be the best 13 minutes of our day. Uh, Because this is the very Word of God. The very Word of God. So here we go. Colossians, chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus "'Fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work "'and increasing in the knowledge of God.' May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn of all creation for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. In my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister, according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Chapter 2. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged Him, All the fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in details about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. In stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. As does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers of Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Here's my question as we prepare to worship through communion. Does Jesus have some have supremacy and centrality in your life? Does Jesus have supremacy and centrality? In your life. He deserves it. He deserves it. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father. Thank you for this letter. Written nearly 2,000 years ago. But still amazingly relevant and transforming for us. Because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this is all about Jesus and his supremacy, and his centrality in everything. And so I just pray that we would see you as the greatest reality, and that finding our identity in you would transform us from the inside out. And I pray that we would see that your word is sufficient, because it's your word. It's your word. And I pray, as Anna's about to sing, That if more of you means less of us, that you would take everything. Because we want the world to see you in us. We want to be more like Jesus and less like our old selves every single day. So thank you for this letter. Thank you for the opportunity that we've had to study it and to see all the implications for our lives in Christ. And I pray that we would embrace the opportunity that we have to be teammates, to experience reconciliation, to be faithful, to encourage one another as part of the body of Christ. What a blessing it is to be in your family because of what Jesus has done, and I pray this all in his name. Amen.